So, everybody, welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm Ed Krasnick. My partner, Jennifer Kalari, will be along shortly. And our guest today is a really terrific, uh, creative person, a stand-up, an actor, a dad, a writer, been in a lot of stuff, been in shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and uh, My Name is Earl, and, and many others. And he is none other than Peter Sprite. And Peter's going to be joining us shortly. I'm very excited about this because I always, I, I always admired him. We never get to talk that much, and I felt like at least we'll get to talk on this show, and that'll be a good thing. Folks, we have, and I say folks like uh, President-elect Biden now, who says folks every 14 seconds. But folks, we have a new president coming uh, in our country. We had an election that was just like the five stages of death. It was anger, denial, bargaining, acceptance, and elected. And the country went through all these emotions in the process of waiting. Dave Chappelle is an amazing comedian and has been for so many years. But there's a difference between being a comedian, even being funny as a comedian or being a successful comedian, and being like a a sage, like somebody who really changes, can change your opinion, can change your perspective with their comedy. George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Lenny Bruce, people like that. It changes your perspective. Bill Hicks, I knew really well. He was amazing with that. But Dave Chappelle is one of those comics. It just really stands apart. And he did a monologue on Saturday Night Live that should go in a time capsule. First of all, what's fascinating to me is he's on SNL. It's a live show. And the energy is supposed to be very high, very big energy. Here's Dave Chappelle having a conversation with the audience. And he, the silence, the patience, the pausing. This is where it all it all comes from, the, the trust that he has, and him talking about never hating anyone, whether you're on one side or the other side, and the idea of empathizing and listening. And so that's what our show is going to be about today, uh, some of it. It'll be about all different things as it usually is, but I, thought, I wanted to talk about empathetic listening, and I wanted to talk about the other 70 million. We have a country that's uh, divided not connected and, and really has a chance to connect. And the question is, what is it that divides you from other people? What is the breaking point? Why are we not connected? And why are people enemies of each other as opposed to you know, having a difference of opinion? Why, are, why is there such an enemy? Like Biden was saying, the demonization stops now. It's a time for something different. But there are skills involved in this. There's a practice involved in this. So let's talk a little bit about empathetic listening. We're going to talk maybe about loss and maybe about joy, because we've seen uh, both. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Sunny days, not so much. It's It's a both sides now kind of show right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. And Peter Sprite coming up shortly, Jennifer coming up shortly. I do want to just very quickly tell you a couple things, a couple little pieces of business. Well, first of all, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today. The Mental Health Comedy Podcast today is brought to you by Stamps.com. Especially now, there's never been a better time to join Stamps.com. We're not about labeling here on the show, but we are about stamping. Everything you need to send, mail from home, easy, safe, and at your fingertips. 
Um, I like to talk to people at the post office, but at stamps.com, it saves you so much time. You have plenty of time to talk to others or do other things like baking a cake, starting a business, saving the world, watching your favorite show, listening to your favorite song, or maybe start a virtual community called the Stampede, made up entirely of stamps.com members. The Pony Express slogan was the mail must go through, and now it can from your desk while you're in your pajamas like me right now. Stamps.com, connecting us all at home, right from your computer. Try it for 30 days and use the promo code MENTALHEALTHCOMEDY and receive 10% off your first month. Stamps.com is the place to be. Join over 725,000 members just like you. Click Print Mail. Okay, so thanks to Stamps.com. I would say that this is a show where we talk about practicing mental health skills, that mental health is a practice, and we need to practice it more now than ever. I want to welcome in people to the show. Listen, I could say a lot about where I am right now. I'm not going to, I'm in a bunker. There's a lot of uh, issues, but I'm going to do a few emotional shout outs. Whether you're riding or hiding from Biden, welcome. You don't know what to do with all your extra time since you've stopped blaming everyone. Welcome. If you've used the time it's taken to count the votes to learn new hobbies like glass blowing, welcome. If you still can't love everyone but now hate everyone equally, welcome. If you describe the Pope as a real papal person, that's just for me, welcome. If you've started installing new cabinets in your house to inspire Joe Biden to pick his cabinet, welcome. And if you need to connect to be heard, no matter who you voted for, welcome. There's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Now, I want to bring in Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, I know this was a, a big seesaw of a week uh, for you, too. How did you survive this week? And I wanted to talk a little bit about the other 70 million. So let's start with that, because half the country is really upset right now really struggling, really having a hard time. The other, the other half is very happy. That's a pretty deep divide. That's a lot of people um, who are in pain. And we got some healing to do. We have to figure out how to do things differently. So I want to focus on that today for sure. And I, I kind of got through it by just trying to do what I, what I talk about practicing, which is trying to pan back and see the big picture the whole time. No matter what happens, it's exposing this rift, which is bigger than I even thought, uh, than a lot of people thought. And once something is exposed and you can see it, you can deal with it. When it's underneath, you can't deal with it. So either way, we're seeing the reality of the divide and hopefully at a place where where we want to start healing, for sure, as a country. And And really, it was very interesting to watch the stages because... The, the patience that you had to have to go through this the and the disappointment and the moment-to-moment living is really something that everybody has to do. And we were put through it, you know, every step of the way. It's like there were times during the week when I was like, I have to move to a different country. There were times during the week when I was like, it was very angry. Why can't they just, why, why didn't they prepare for this knowing that there was going to be such big absentee ballots? And, and actually have it counted by the time Election Day happened. What, what happened? And I had that mm-hmm. feeling. And then I had, you know what? I just need to focus on now. 
because I don't have any control over anything else. So I'm just going to focus on now and what makes me feel good in this moment. I'm just going to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to being angry, feeling angry again. So I think that's what the country goes through. But the pro the difference sure. between the country and what I was going through, I think, is that we don't talk to each other. You know, people who have a real difference of opinion, if you voted for Trump or if you voted for Biden, there isn't a lot of conversation going on. Everybody believes that they're right and they can't understand how anybody would vote the other way. And then there's no conversation about it. That's mm -hmm. really that that bridge of communication is out. So it's very difficult to make changes to make you know to mm -hmm. to to not be in your in your place if 70 if over 70 million people voted a different way then we're not aware of how they feel or what's really going on with them and that's mm -hmm. what we need to what we need to figure out and i wanted to talk to you about because you teach um the calm technique to parents and families and i'm i'm i know it's hard to sort of overview that quickly but can you just give us a little overview and let's and, and I wanted to focus on the the affect and the listening part of the calm technique sure sure um, it's really using language very specifically and it's using language and empathy and compassion as medicine to create real sort of deep emotional connection in a conversation so you can actually really hear each other it's not easy to do but it's incredibly effective it's kind of like having a superpower um, and it really means being able to step into the other person's shoes, really take your own agenda, park it, you get to bring it back. But in the moment of deep listening, you are literally, it's like you're stepping in to another world and looking around and seeing what it's like, and then repeating that back with connection and empathy. And then when you do that oxytocin, which is a very powerful neurotransmitter slash hormone, which is also a cortisol blocker a powerful cortisol blocker starts to flood both brains in both wh whoever is having this conversation, you're both getting flooded with oxytocin, which is also known as the, dr the love drug or um, the tend and befriend hormone, which actually brings calm, literally calm to the conversation and connection and builds trust. So it's absolutely a superpower. It's just, it's a bit counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what your brain will tell you to do sometimes. And the more divided you are, the harder it is but the bigger the payoff. Just to model it for people, because you think, well, empathetic listening. I know what empathetic listening is. I, 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 listen, I know how to listen to people. I've been doing it my whole life. Right. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a different way to listen. So sure. I'm going to be a, I, I'll be one of the 70 million. And you, okay. and you just okay. model this, you know, tell us what's involved in this. And then we're going to, we're going to model sure. it for people. Sure. Okay. That's great. Well, and the first thing you have to know is that it, you have to put your own agenda, your own thoughts. If you're trying to talk to someone with the agenda of, I'm going to change their mind, I'm going to make them see it my way. I'm going to, I'm going to help them see how wrong it is. It's not going to work. It has to be completely genuine that you literally have to drop your own agenda and, and really step into their world and into their shoes. So it has to be authentic. That's really important. And no observational statements. So we think we know what empathic listening is, um, that it sounds like, I understand that must be really hard. That must be so difficult. But most of us recognize that as what I call the customer service response. I understand, ma'am, that must be very frustrating. Mm. And we don't like how that feels. Most of us hate how that feels. It feels like a technique. 
So the real key is that this is not a technique. It is a moment of genuinely trying to understand the other person regardless of their point of view. Okay, so I'm going to drop out of the the Democratic Party now, and I'm now going to do the Republican Party, and I'm going to I'm going to talk to you as a voter who has voted for uh, Trump. Let's do it the way most people would do it first, and then let's try it again. And because I want you to feel the difference, okay? And I want you to describe. So this is how most people would connect with each other. Okay, Jennifer's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. I'm going to talk to her. And this is the way it usually goes down. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I haven't seen anything that the Democratic Party has done for me and anybody else. They're liars. The government is full of lies. What and I'm sick of it. To- I'm not voting for You're that thinking- anymore. Okay. Trump is the biggest liar of all, oh. honestly. Like, how can you even say He's that? The- talk about lying. Don't talk to me about he- lying. He lies. Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. He says what's on his mind. Unlike other politicians, he says what's on his mind, and that's what I like about him. I don't understand how anyone could listen to that man and think he's saying anything reasonable. Like, how, how, I can't. I can't. He's saying what we all think. That. That's what's so great about him. He's saying what we all think anyway. No. All right. See, how's this going? Okay. How's this feeling? So that's – where does that go? That, that We've heard that, and that's that's the divide. Right there. And that's the light side of it. Okay. That's not even the heavy side of it. That's the light side of it. Okay. So now you're going to model something different. You're going to Mm -hmm. model empathetic listening, empathic listening, and active Mm -hmm. listening. And I actually call this the calm technique. And I, I love that because the acronym is that you connect first, you control your affect, you listen. So you really truly listen instead of thinking what you're going to say that's going to counteract what the other person is saying. And then the M stands for mirror. And when you've done that, you've actually had a moment of real connection and real mirroring. And so you take your agenda and you put it aside. Okay. And this is actually, you teach this, this works with, with anybody, but it's really Mm -hmm. also a parenting technique. And your intention is to connect, not to fix, not to change, not to convince, not to shift, not to get them to do their homework, not to get just your intention is, is to connect. This is the only technique that works on a teenager, okay? That that tells you everything you need to know. Okay, but it's for everybody. Okay, so mm-hmm. take two. Here we go. Okay, so, I, you know, I'm really disappointed today. I mean, I can't believe what's happened in this country. I mean, Trump was ahead, and then they took the election from him. They stole it from it. him. You were there, yes. right? You thought it was happening for sure, and now it's gone. I'm so disappointed in the system. I'm so disappointed yeah. in this country. How do you steal an election? So so I can't even imagine what that feels like for you. Like you literally are feeling like complete fraud has happened, and 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 it was absolutely by design, right? Yes. This fell apart. They planned this. I, it's yeah. bullshit. This is your country. You love you love this country. You do. Yes. And to feel like that, to feel like it was stolen, I can't even imagine. That's you must feel powerless. Well, yeah. Devastated. Yeah. yeah Seven, I'm used to it. We, you know, dealing with this this go dealing with the you know the Democrats. This is the way it always is. I had eight years of Obama like this. This is now I got to live through it again. So yeah. So that's the whole thing. Is like you feel like you've already experienced this. This and you're back to where you were. Years and years ago, the repeat. Of. That's right. That's right. Well, what do I what do I do today? Where am I going to go today? Where's my country? So, Ed. Yeah. So the second way, 
because I didn't really say anything. See, it's so important to understand that the calm technique is not about agreeing. I can fully disagree with what you're saying, but I can step in your shoes and imagine how that would feel to love your country so much, to think that this man has the answers and it's been stolen. How would you feel when something's stolen? Violated, devastated, powerless, angry, in pain, right? So the difference is, so how did the second one feel? Well, it felt like I felt like I was being heard, which changes the way that I feel, changes my my emotion, changes my anger. It's like all of a sudden the anger comes down and it's like, oh my God, somebody's listening to me. Chemically, what's happening is oxytocin is releasing. Even though it's a role play, it doesn't matter. The midbrain doesn't know the difference. Blocking cortisol, chemically starting to calm you down and the person just kind of de-escalates. And it doesn't matter if we're talking politics or whatever it is. Then when the the de-escalation happens, then you can actually bring in your point of view. Well, I get what you're saying, but you know what? This is what I'm thinking. This is how I feel. And because you've just listened that way to the other person, not always, but often they are flooded with oxytocin. So they're more likely to try and listen to you. And then you're having a conversation instead of a confrontation. You are never, when two people are in a huge argument, When the frontal lobe is literally shut off, which is the part of the brain that regulates, motivates, takes perspective, um, when that's shut off, when that's online and it's just basically two mid-brains fighting, right? Two, Two people in fight or flight. The part of your brain that can even analyze and understand and put yourself in, the, in their shoes is not even available to you. So you can't yell at someone into, into seeing your point of view. It will never work, ever, ever, ever. The thing is, you can practice these things. You know, and they say that life is not a dress rehearsal. It actually is a dress rehearsal. You, you can practice all of these things. And you need, we all need practice. And mm-hmm. so the time to do this is not when you're at your height of anger, but actually, you know, practicing with your kids, practicing with yourself, practicing with your spouse, practicing with your friend. You can build those neural pathways. This is this is this is a, a skill. Yeah. You can go to connectedparenting.com, connectedparenting.com. That's Jennifer's organization, which she teaches all these resilient skills like the calm technique like many other things. There's videos, there's podcasts, there's all kinds of media. There are classes, and I would highly recommend that you uh, check it out. If you have a minute, check it out, because all of these skills are, are taught there. Our guest today is an old friend and somebody who I saw originally around the comedy scene years ago. Very unique, very creative, great stand-up, terrific writer, fine actor, a good dad, even though he always says that his daughter doesn't want to be seen with him, and somebody who's been through a lot uh, a lot of experiences in, in his life, and that's Peter Sprite. Peter, first of all, thanks for joining us and for uh, getting into the program. You're quite welcome, and you will have to Bear with me as I'm coming down from my oxytocin high. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. You you do sound like you're on an oxy- oxytocin high. Yeah, you must have an interesting perspective. You've got a daughter. You've got a. T- a she's a teenager now, right? Uh, she's uh, she's twelve, but um, she's very advanced. So she she gives me attitude like she's a sixteen year old. So I'm 
proud of so, that. So how did you go through this process of what's been going on in the country with her? Obviously, we've got the, the what's going on in the country and the uh, fact that we're shut-ins because of COVID. It, it's kind of complicated by both. She has the 12-year-old kind of simplistic view of politics and and social issues. There, She's very black and white on them. She's black on the same side that I'm dark gray. <laughs> it's the whole um, election process has been very stressful for her. The events that precipitated the Black Lives Matter protests have been very stressful. Online schooling, as you can imagine, very stressful. So that she's she needs an oxytocin high. Can you is that over the counter or do you need a prescription? <laughs> well, here's what's so good about that: it's free, and you don't need a prescription, and you can't overdose on it, and there's no negative side effects. It is literally what happens when two human beings deeply connect, show empathy and love, and it's it it does more than just calm you down. It strengthens the immune system. It speeds up neuroplasticity. It's amazing and it's free and we all have it. We just have to take that time. And listen, with a 12 year old, it's not easy. They are black and white and they, they're moody and they think they know everything. And it's a real challenge. And we can end up on opposite issues all the time with our, with our preteens and our teenagers. And if you speak to her this way, you will have, it will change things. It will change all the conversations that you have. And it really does build emotional resilience. It gives your child or anybody really emotional shock absorbers, which we all desperately need. Yeah, I think we're pretty good at hearing her, much better at hearing her than she is at hearing us, <laughs> which will true. come as a shock. Right. But, and that's, um, yeah, that makes sense developmentally for sure. So you yourself, I mean, you're a very creative person, but you've had You've had a lot of, you know, the country's dealing with, there There are people that are extremely joyous right now, and a lot of people who are experiencing a feeling of loss and, and beyond. And you've had a lot of stuff to deal with in your life. What do you learn more from? I come from Northern European stock, and we're a closed down, generally depressed breed of people. I think you were kind of obliquely alluding to uh, my wife died uh, several years ago, and I'm since very happily remarried, but that was a very difficult thing for my daughter and I and continues to be. If you're asking about other people who that I disagree with, you know, that's a tricky one. There, I, I grew up in the South, and I have a lot of friends who, you know, are lifelong Republicans and, and so on and so forth. I split them into two camps. There are ones who are reasonable people who I differ with, who I can have civil conversations with, and we can um, sometimes come to some consensus on things and agree to disagree on other things. But there's a whole other breed who are people who've, who were friends in high school and who have since done a deep dive into you know, QAnon and alternative news sources who who I don't even speak the same language. I have a really hard time with them. I don't delete them from Facebook. I, I don't delete any friends from Facebook unless they're uncivil to me on my page um, because I think everyone's capable of redemption. Um, but I've learned 
the hard way not to try to communicate <laughs> with a lot of them. I just realized a minute ago that Jennifer's been talking about uh, oxytocin this whole time, and I'm I've been taking oxycotton, and 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 that's a problem on many levels. But listen. That's for another day. Well, if it's you get enough threads per inch, then it's okay. <laughs> maybe that's no, no. stretching too far. One of the things that they're saying about Biden is because he's had so much loss in his life that it actually he he has experience with being empathetic to other people, and that that's actually going to help him in his presidency. And I don't get that at all. No, um, and I'm and I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out is that something that occurs to you that you that you think, boy, a president who has had has faced those kinds of things, it'll be interesting to have somebody in office who who has had those life experiences. Yeah, I think twenty years ago that would have been more more true than it is now. You know, I thought Obama approached his presidency from that inclusive standpoint, but he ran into the McConnell-led Senate where they they didn't want to work with the president. They wanted to make him a failed one-term president. And I, I really struggle to think that the Republican Senate is going to want to try to work with Biden. Although they say that McConnell and he do work well together or do have a mutual respect for each other, which would be yeah, I think there's a difference between a mutual respect and a willingness to work together because he was the vice president when Obama was president and uh, Mitch was uh, you know known for all his filibusters and not letting anything get through. So I'm I'm a big pessimist as I think the what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm going to send a whole lot of postcards to Georgia. Oh yeah, absolutely. Still a chance there. Still a good a good chance there. Things are possible. In terms of uh, you know your own how how is your how is your creative life and in terms of what you what works for you in this time of as you said you know isolation, tremendous stress, being a parent of a kid who you know kids who are also isolated and uh, dealing with all the social issues that are happening and all the personal issues that happen from being isolated. What is it that works for you? How do you navigate it? What do you tell yourself? First, I count my blessings because I'm, I'm lucky in a lot of ways. We're not struggling financially. You know, We're sort of shut in, but we have a, a house and a yard and an ability to kind of you know, not be, feel like we're imprisoned. And we've got Griffith Park nearby, and we can go on hikes. And Harper has outdoor social distance play dates, and so on. So I know our stresses, in a lot of ways, are a lot less than a lot of other people's. Creatively, I, I've kind of made a switch from wanting to do a lot of stand up and perform on stage, and the desire to be an actor, to more of the desire to be a creator. My wife and I created a pilot, and I've spent a lot of time editing and creating pitch deck and um, editing another friend's short and um, those kind of things, all of which you can do from home. So it's it's kind of, I haven't been affected in the same way that people who need to get out and get on stage have. Um, so I'm lucky in that respect. Mm. And I also like, uh, you know, playing 
a mediocre musician and I've, we've got a piano in our house and I haven't been impacted like a lot of other people have. By the way, so far I feel like I've brought no value to You've your show. You've brought a lot of value. Brought... I'm not here for that. I'm here for you to bring value to me. <laughs> well, that's where you got it right. That's where you have it right. We are here to bring value to you. We do it through volume. How do we do it? Volume. We bring it. We know how to bring it. That, let's talk about that then. What, <laughs> what can we bring to you? What can we do for you today? What's up? My current, I guess, ongoing battle that's relevant, we don't have a good owner's manual for our 12-year-old. Mm. And we have a particular 12-year-old who suffered a great loss when she was five, who has separation anxiety issues, who has some issues with sensory processing disorder, acts out and has, has a very short fuse. And uh, when we're all cooped up together, it can get intense. it's hard to deal with a lot of times. And there are issues with, you know, when you lose your mom and then you have a, a new mom, anytime you and your new mom have a disagreement, then you create an idealized version of your old mom mm-hmm. and wish she were back. Yeah. And there, you know, there's a whole Pandora's box of things to deal with. Mm-hmm. I, I should have just picked one. No, this is good. This is volume. This is volume. I'm gonna I'm gonna just say two words, Jennifer Kalari. Okay, I'll step aside. (laughs) Well, and truthfully, I mean, listen, it's a it's there's a lot that's happened to this little one. And is she really bright too? She kind of sassy. She is. She is very smart. She's she's uh, she is the definition of sass. Yeah, she's smart. She's headstrong. She's um, very talented. She's athletically gifted. Yeah. She's uh, she's got a whole lot going for her and she is a handful. Well, just just the way you were describing her before, kind of that's the type of child we actually work with at Connective Parenting. So, kids who are have big feelings and who are very bright tend to push back, have pretty strong counterwill. And on top of that, she lost her mom, which is really the biggest loss a kid can have. There isn't anything any bigger. That's that's it. And that's now a part of who she is. It will bring out the best in her in many ways, and that's something that she will learn as she gets older, but she also sounds like she's very, very loved. So here's what I would suggest right off the bat. And and not only that, you've got COVID, you're stuck inside, these distanced playdates. This group of kids, sort of 12 to, I don't know, 16, 17, I think are, are really feeling this the most. And here's the other thing, which which we didn't really talk about, but kids today literally go to sleep on top of what your daughter's already struggling with worrying in 15 years what's the world going to look like am i going to be able to have kids like what's the planet going to look like they are literally going to sleep worrying about stuff we didn't have to think about in our wildest dreams when we were 12 right so that's talk about volume that's a lot so here's what you've got and you already said it you listen to her so well so the calm technique which we talked about at the beginning is medicine and you don't just use it to de-escalate someone you use it to constantly administer that oxytocin all the time, which actually does give kids emotional resilience and emotional shock absorbers. And so, for example, if she's going head to head with your wife, with her stepmom, of course that happens. Like, you're not my mom and my mom wouldn't have done that. And even if it doesn't get said out loud, it's thought. And the key thing there is to join with her on that. 
right? To, to, and that's where really taking that beautiful stance is so important. You know what? I'm not your mom and you miss her. And she tell me how wonderful she was and joining with her. And I'm sure your, your wife has done this, but that's the place where you really connect right from there. The mistakes, sometimes this can happen in blended families too, when it's a divorce and it's a new wife, it's like you try to win them over and you try to show how great it's going to be. And all that happens is there's a doubling down sometimes of just this just not being ready for that. That's why the calm technique is so important to just join where where she is, exactly where she is. And I say to parents, I don't I don't want people to get all worried about, you know, when to use this. Just anytime. It's just whenever you're talking about anything, that's actually the way to approach her. And that should work to de-escalate her too. If she's sassy and spicy, which she sounds like she is, she's probably yeah. pretty pretty strong counterwell. And big, big feelings. And she's only 12, which means her frontal lobe is not really fully formed yet, right? That part of the brain isn't up and running until you're 25. So she's got incredible intelligence, lots of gifts, a lot of um, stuff has happened to her. And she feels things on this enormous level. And then she, her brain's ability to regulate all that hasn't developed yet. She's only 12. So you and yeah. your wife are not actually parents. <laughs> You're actually substitute frontal lobes. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So your job is to regulate and organize and prioritize and calm her down and help her take perspective. And the best way to do that is through connection and just really supporting her and a kid this age anyway, even without all the stuff that your daughter's had to face and deal with. It's a really tough time. It's a, And it's a very tough age. I'll say one more thing. Um, that 12 is also a time where anxiety spikes. So it tends to spike at different points in development. 12 is when they're leaving being little kids and they're moving into being teenagers. And that's daunting. And that can be scary. And for her, there's also a part of her that knows that her, her mom is going to miss that part, right? So that's a pretty heavy piece. So that often comes up between 12 and 14. Again, if there's heavy loss, it'll be re-experienced in a new way at 12. And she'll be pushing back and hormonal, just <laughs> add another little layer in there. So that's why just this deep and beautiful and neutral connection, when she gets really mad, it's so difficult to do this. It's, it's all, this is probably more difficult than mastering the calm technique, but staying very neutral is really important when you have what I call gladiator kids. And I think she's a little bit of a gladiator. For the record, one of the things that uh, I, is great about Sally is she, from the jump, has made lots of space for Harper to honor the memory Lovely. of Suzanne, my, my late wife. Yeah. One of my struggles, which I don't know if it's realistic or not, is to try to help her not react you know, in a knee-jerk fashion in anger. Mm-hmm. One thing she does, to her credit, is she, when she does something like that, 20 minutes later, she'll come back on her own and, and awesome. say, I'm sorry I did this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sorry about my attitude. But I don't know if it's realistic to expect that, that those outbursts will diminish or go away. Well, well they, they will. I mean, she, the hardest age for girls, honestly, is 12 to 14. For boys, it's sort of 14 to 17. This is a mm-hmm. tough age anyway, because you've got hormones happening. You've got all kinds of stuff going on in the frontal lobe, whose job it is to actually regulate and go, oh, I wish I could say this, but I'm not going to, hasn't fully developed yet. 
But this is what people don't always understand that it's probably a form of it's it. And I'm not saying she has clinical anxiety, but it's probably anxiety. So people think of anxiety being like scared and hiding and afraid to do things. Anxiety comes out in two ways. It either goes inward into being afraid of everything and not wanting to do anything and you know, kind of the classic sense of anxiety or it goes outward into fighting. And it can look very um, prickly and moody and explosive and accusatory, which is very unpleasant to live with for sure. And this is where even in those moments where she's losing it, staying neutral and using the calm technique in those moments can usually deescalate her. That that's where it's a bit of a superpower is you can yeah. usually in the moment and you, and it really means like, I don't know, whatever the last thing she was mad at. It's usually things about like phones and bedtimes and it's usually things that are about sovereignty and, you know, agency and independence. Those are usually things that 12 year olds will get super upset about. Yeah. She gets mad at her online math program a lot. Right. Right. Cause it's stupid and it's ridiculous. She's also, because she's bright too, she's going to get, she probably isn't going to like things that are inane or boring or repetitive, or she thinks they could be done in a better way. So the typical way, so we'll use the math program cause that's pretty classic. So she's complaining, it's stupid, and why would they set it up this way, and or whatever she's doing. And what we typically do is we listen, we go, oh, that's, you know, I understand, honey, that must be awful. But you know, you're learning a lot by trying things in different ways. And you know what, if you just try this, and I, we try to do this cheerleading thing, all of us, we all do this as parents. But when you have a sassy, yeah. feisty kid, when she feels right away that you're trying to teach her something about this, and you haven't actually validated her position, She's going to escalate. This is the other thing you have to know with, with sassy, spicy kids, they have trouble regulating. So part of what they do is they go after their parents or their siblings, start an issue. Then the parent, you know, st stays calm, stays calm and finally gets mad too. Then once the child is convinced that the parent now feels as bad as they felt, now they're okay. <laughs> now they are okay and they can walk away, but the parent's exhausted. So that's why the neutrality is really important. And, and what they're doing there is they're mimicking what goes on in the brain, right? They're trying to get that um, press down. They're trying to get that the frontal lobe to actually inhibit. And, and because you're a substitute frontal lobe, she's going to get you to either get exasperated, get mad, walk away or whatever else. And then, of course, she's going to feel terrible later because she's lovely, right? So in those moments, just, just listen to her about the math and say, oh, so tell me what's the, what they did, what, and why would they do it that way? And so again, you're not agreeing. You're just getting, you're just letting her vent. And with 12 year old girls in particular, you can even even say this out loud. You can just say, is this one of these conversations where you just need me to hear how frustrated you are and how dumb this program is, or do you actually want me to help you with it? And sometimes I say, I don't want you to help. I just want you to listen. Yeah. Right? Sometimes it's literally just venting. And that is part of how she is regulating. Right? And she's, there's a lot going on. I have a set of pom-poms that I usually use while I'm trying to yes. cheerlead. I understand. Um, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... So sure that that's goes not, over well. It's very good. And is, is, is the program that she's on called You Do the Math? Because I don't like that one. It, it hers is called Gigi. Oh yes, Math. of course. Um, and it features a little uh -huh. penguin, a poorly animated nope. penguin. And when you make a wrong answer, the penguin hits its head in the wall and turns around backwards, and it sends you back to the beginning of the program. <laughs> That's oh, just done by a sadist. So it's, it's done by a sadist. It's custom made to 
to make kids everywhere. Does she and, also get upset because she does she think it's juvenile? Is that also part of what she's upset about? I, I, it's it's stupid. It's yeah. frustrating. Yeah. It um, doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sometimes they're just like um, e- each round they have. It's like a puzzle. They'll have three red triangles and two blue squares and then something below the line that you're somehow supposed to make the connection. Right. And um, if you don't figure out what the, the kind of very obscure connection is, then yeah. the penguin hits the wall and walks backwards and you have to start over again. Oh, that sounds awful. Okay. But the other thing too, is she, she's bright. So when she doesn't grab something right away, that's going to be a trigger for her. She's probably used to getting things quite quickly. So when she can't, she's going to get incredibly frustrated, for sure. Yeah. This is now. It's probably not the best time for me to say that that program is actually a new sponsor for us. This is probably <laughs> not the right time for that. But anyway, uh, I was going to just going to ask you, Peter. Now, you, your sense of humor obviously is extremely sharp, very dry, very witty, and very you know all of those things. Does she? grab onto that when you do that with her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I will break the tension by escalating whatever she's escalated to a ridiculous point to kind of show that her escalation is ridiculous. Sometimes it works. You know, what she loves about my sense of humor is when I practice it in front of her friends. (laughs) That goes off. (laughs) (laughs) She loves her dad doing his, that's my dad being my dad right now. When I used to have a old Toyota pickup truck that I'd take her to school and and, and she did the classic making me park, you know, a block away and walk her to school. Oh, so she, she doesn't know how much of a stereotype she sometimes is. But. Does she share your sense of humor? I mean, what, what do you guys share humor wise together? She has a sense of humor. It's not the same. Um, I'm a low energy, dry sense of humor person, and she's a high energy, make them laugh with a lot of noise kind of person. So when we perform together, I, I never follow her because you can't. <laughs> that energy, my energy doesn't follow that yeah. energy. But you have a very strong character. I mean, that's one of the things that I really, I always liked about watching you on stage is that your presence and your character is so strong that I feel like you could follow any kind of energy. I, I brought that energy to Pine Mountain Club for an hour set last winter before COVID struck and uh, quickly found out I was performing in front of um, uh, uh, the MAGA crowd, and my energy didn't work with them very well. <laughs> not not that well. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Make America Kill Again. I really wonder about, about stand-up these days, because it seems like with such a divided country, you either have to say nothing of consequence as a stand-up in order to perform in front of mixed crowds, or be who you are and just find your crowd. And th- that, to me, is sad also that, you know, in addition to everything else, the, uh, the world of stand-up is becoming too Yeah, worlds. there's nothing in the middle. And, and uh, you know, I used to perform in Texas a lot, and I don't know why, because there's no real – it's not that I don't like Texas, but why I would be doing weeks and weeks at a time in Texas, I don't know. But at one point, I stopped doing my act, and I started doing a talk show. I just started – having people talking to people in the audience and having them come up 
and actually building a show around them because I felt like if it was if it was them on stage with me, you know, they, it was more protective and it actually made them laugh more because they were seeing themselves. So that's what I did. But that was a you know that was like a bailout. But it actually it became fun for me because I could write around it. But I don't know. You're right. Well, that's why what Dave Chappelle did is so rare because he's on Saturday Night Live and he's so, of course, he's got a crowd that's with him. That's a, that's the Biden crowd in the audience. And But he, what is amazing to me about him and something that's so rare today is silence is a friend to him. He has a comfort on stage that's uh, almost unmatched. Yeah, pacing and um, conversational and thoughtful and silence. A lot of pauses, a lot of quiet. Yeah, and he's always been, I did a show with him in uh, Montreal 20 years ago, and he was in his 20s. And his level of comfort on stage is the inverse of my level of comfort all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I have trouble on stage if I go, you know, through a couple of points in my set where it should have gotten laughter and it didn't, then things are going downhill quick. He gives zero Fs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just wants to communicate, and that's it's one of the amazing things. But he's doing he's doing what you're talking about, which is making the points. It's 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 not one way or the other. It's very very incisive and it's very satirical it's ironic it's political it's social it's everything and he's not afraid to say yeah. anything he's not afraid to say anything you might be watching him one night in front of a crowd that's not with him and it, it might not go well he's going to be that guy but you talk about comforting yourself on a stage being feeling comfort on a stage that's that's so hard to do do you feel like in your stand-up you became more of a friend to yourself the more you did it? Yes, but I started from a place of so not being a friend to myself that I, I made a lot of progress to get to a point where I was just moderately uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I can't imagine ever getting to the place where I could be on stage for, you know, he does sets that are two, three hours long. Um, and it can go 20 minutes without a laugh because what he does is a completely different yeah. thing. Yeah. And we do need comics like that. And I don't agree with everything Chappelle says, but w we need comics who can, you know, bring a whole audience into the fold and mm -hmm. really have a conversation. Well, yeah, and I think the big thing, too, is, is silence. It's so interesting to watch a performer who doesn't run away from silence. And and it's such a pleasure, really, to watch because you feel like you're watching a human being. And just that is such a powerful statement. Like being human in front of people today is like the most powerful thing that anybody can do in on stage or in media or in the arts, because uh, that's what that's what people need. And it used to be that way, you know, when there wasn't as much social media you had evidence of that. I felt like originally the shows like the, you know, the design shows, the home renovation shows, the food shows in the early days was the, why people liked watching them. It was because people were more human when they were doing it. But then it became a very popular thing and it became a, a format. But that's what I loved when I was growing up as a kid. I loved it when people would make mistakes. I loved it when TV was live. I loved it when people didn't they, they weren't afraid to make mistakes. And 
they rehearsed a lot. So when they did something live, it was like a great live performance. And But anyway, that's that's me being an old Jew, basically, is what that is. It's been great to talk to you, and we have to do more of it because uh, I always, always enjoy listening to you. And, you know, this is more of a serious conversation than we probably would have a lot of times, but I loved it. I want to thank you. And for people to to see your work or the stuff that you're creating or working on, do they just go to petersprite.com? They can see ancient relics from my distant past there. <laughs> I, I honestly, I when my wife died, I did a big flip in my uh, little brain where I, I'm just not a self promoter anymore. I don't care that much about any of that. So I, I'm here to disappoint you about not having stuff currently. I wish people would say that more. I wish I wish I would say I'm here to disappoint you. I'm <laughs> I'm actually here to. That's a great way to start to start a set too. I tell you this because I looked online. I looked at some of the reels. Your acting is superb. Your stand-up has always been amazing, but your acting is really terrific and really interesting. Oh, and I know you. you studied it. I know you studied Meisner and all the, the techniques, but yeah, it, it's great. And I'm wishing you lots of uh, joy in what you're creating with, with Sally and, and with Harper too. Yeah, it's, as you know, working with someone on something creative is like a marriage, and working with Sally on our project could have been the creative marriage that undid our other marriage if we didn't work well together, but we we do, and this, awesome. just being creative is with someone who I really love is, is a pretty amazing experience. Oh, that's terrific. Congratulations on that. That's great. Well, come back. We'll talk more. Jennifer, thank you so much for for all of that and i really do want people to go to connectedparenting.com there's so much to learn there and so many great skills things that are really simple that can really help change your life i've had a lot of people that have either been on the show or have listened to the show i have people all the time they tell me well i heard that thing that jennifer was talking about i tried it and it works it's really cool to hear that and now i'm going to do that too I've learned a lot from you, and uh, I really appreciate you very much. Thanks, Ed. Sure. And ladies and gentlemen, find us everywhere. Subscribe, listen, lather, rinse, repeat, wash, of course, as you listen. You can find us everywhere. You can also go to makelightmedia.com, makelight, makelightmedia.com, one word, and you can find all of the shows there or wherever you get your podcasts. We're starting a newsletter. We're starting a mailing list uh, we have already, and we have the social pages. And we're going to have a lot more of interactive uh, stuff with you, including we're going to be doing our first Facebook Live show soon, also Instagram Live, all kinds of things coming right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Kalari. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back at works if you work it, and we'll see you soon.